This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the schedule is finally here. This week, we'll continue our deep dive on the 49ers draftees and turn our attention to the guards. And with me this week, finally giving us the run game episode we deserve, it's David Newman. I mean, I guess we couldn't avoid it forever, but here we are. I've been waiting for this moment, David. We're going to talk all about guards. We're going to talk about interior of the offensive line run blocking next week we're going to talk about running backs it's going to be a back-to-back run game extravaganza and you're going to get back to your roots you're going to get back to your all blocking roots get back to just all of the things running game running back just going to completely give your knowledge away so you can never have to worry about it ever again empower others so they never ask questions about the run game this should be your mission david i mean People are never going to stop asking questions. That's not an attainable goal. I like to set realistic <laughs> targets for myself. You know, that does not appear to be one of them. I just right now in this very second had my first sip of vacation beer. Vacation beer is good beer. That vacation beer is delicious. Starting today, literally at the beginning of this podcast, I'm now technically officially on vacation and I just had my first sip of beer. I'm flying to California to go visit my family. They haven't met my daughter. She turns one in like two weeks. (laughs) Can't can't confirm. Like two or three weeks is when she turns one year old. And so we, you know, now that we're in that post-vaccinated world, we uh, were hopping on a plane, on an airplane. And man, loaded up the iPad with the Puppy Pals in Spanish. Got that theme song etched in my brain. It is. It is nuts. Uh, it's been a hectic day. I had chips for lunch. I told you. Like I usually, like I don't miss lunch. Lunch is amazing. I love lunch. I had literally a half a bag of chips. Um, I mean that sucks. I'm I'm on the complete opposite end. I just returned from a little mini vacation. So we went to uh, an Airbnb out kind of uh, on the lake, a little out of town. Um, last couple days, just returned midday today. So I'm feeling good. Did Did you take the pizza oven? You're goddamn right I took the pizza oven. This was a pizza vacation. <laughs> okay, so uh, for those that are unaware, David has this little, it's an uni, right? An yes. An uni pizza oven. Mm-hmm. And this thing is, it's not going to lie, pretty legit. Yep. A couple weeks ago, I went over to David's place. Uh, we loaded that bitch up with some pellets, uh, made some pizza, and tried not to drop it, which I almost did. I almost dropped it. So far, we have done, uh, we've made pizza in the oven. So we, we just recently got this, uh, I don't know, a little over a month or so ago. And so we've, we've had, uh, I think, five weekends where we've made pizza. And I have only dropped one pizza. So I, I feel pretty solid about that. That was very early on. It was like the second time. Your catch rate above expected 
is phenomenal. It's good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the the I was not aware that it was portable though. I didn't know this was a strap it on your back type thing. It is. So yeah, like all of uh like that that was one of the the main reasons we got this specific model is because yeah, like one it's it's very easy to Cuz you use. find yourself that you travel often and then I want to be pizza. able to have excellent homemade pizza at all times. Okay? Maybe this was the should... perfect This was the perfect scenario for it. So we went um, you know, with uh with a couple friends got um an Airbnb that was, you know, big old fancy house with an infinity pool on the back and had a a, a lovely nice patio out there and we set up that pizza oven and we had the two nights that we were there, we made pizza for dinner and it was incredible. I'm just saying if you put as much effort into your margaritas as you did your pizza, maybe you know, we're still doing this, huh? We're still doing this. Oh, man, that's it's crazy. Um, I actually have something to get to. I'm gonna have to skip this run game and bullshit talk um, for the rest. Of, so I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, you'll be able to get somebody to cover. Let me woo you back in with talks of the schedule because tonight is another thing where I've never. Ha- have you ever watched a schedule release event? I've never watched. <laughs> Come one. on, you fucking know the answer to that question. <laughs> Look, I'm just I'm just checking to make sure. I don't know, man. You you know, you can you can decide just like you want to talk about the run game, you're gonna watch schedule release, man. I don't know. But I just feel like this is this is orchestrated in a way that I don't want it to be orchestrated. Just give me the schedule. Uh and, yeah. and so because we're recording this at uh just before six PM central time, we don't know all the particulars of the 49ers schedule. What we do know is that they open against a familiar foe, Jared Goff, this time as the starting quarterback of the Detroit Lions. The last two times the Niners opened their season in Detroit, they won the Super Bowl. Post hoc ergo proctor hoc. This is a fancy way of saying it's, you know, it happened after, therefore it must be true. And so Niners... Why do we we even need to continue? It seems like the only relevant information that we need to have. I mean, we might as well see you guys in February, right? I mean, week two against Philadelphia, that's, you know, whatever. Week three, first home game against Green Bay, that'll be interesting. Uh, I know Packers fans are going to love their new starting quarterback. That's right. I went there. I've had three sips. Did there? I have three sips of beer. I'm in full dad vacation mode. <laughs> there, there's there are literally New Balances sprouting around my feet as we speak. Oh my god. Uh, the there are five primetime games, which is what we know about the schedule so far, and and then the rest of the weeks will get filled out over the course of I think isn't like the week 18 game is Cincinnati. That part is also known as well. Um, uh, the, no, I think they, cause the NFL re- did release something I saw that, uh, kind of detailed how week 18 was going to be working. And, and one of the things that they mentioned as part of that is that they will all be division games again. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's the, the 18th opponent is yeah, Cincinnati. I think the basically. added opponent is Cincinnati, mm-hmm. but where that is going to take place in the schedule is, is still unknown as of recording. So the Niners do know their opponents, and they have known their opponents over the course of the, this season for quite a while. And so someone named Sebastian on the Twitterverse uh, used Vegas win totals uh, by DK Sportsbook, as well as the projected total of 11 wins for the Packers to compute the 2021 strength of schedule for each team based on the projected wins of their opponents as of right now, which is not a bad way to look at it. Because if you look at last year's strength of schedule, I think that's a pretty terrible lens into what that team is going to do in the future. I think the Niners are a great example. They were not great last year, but that's because they didn't have a quarterback that was really functional. This year, they have maybe two quarterbacks that are functional, as long as one of them doesn't get injured. And so their win total shouldn't be, last year's win total isn't reflective of what they're, of where they're going to be this year. Well, based on projected win totals, the Niners have the easiest strength of schedule. 
in the NFL, further proof that the Detroit gambit is real. I mean, by a nice little margin there too. Like it's a it's a pretty steady. When you look at the the graph, it's kind of funny. Like it's a, it's a nice steady slope down as you get from the most difficult schedule to the easiest. But then right when you get to the Niners, it's like a big drop. Right? It's like Dallas at thirty one. Bam, big drop down to the 49ers. Um, yeah, it, I mean, sure. It, it, again, like you mentioned, it's it's at least better that, um, you know, we're using some more advanced method of, of projecting what these teams uh, could potentially look like in 2021 rather than solely relying on what they did last season, which is is completely irrelevant when it comes to strength schedule. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, even if they're not the easiest, right, by that wide margin, I think it seems pretty likely that they're going to be like, you know, a bottom quarter or so, you know, barring some some really crazy unexpected shit happening, um, that they should have a schedule that at least falls on on the easier side, which is always nice. You know, every every team in the NFL would love to think that they have complete and utter control over their destiny. And to a certain degree, they do. But but there is a lot of luck involved. And, and there's a lot of luck with injuries. There's also a lot of luck with the schedule. And when you don't play a first place schedule or when you don't play a division as you rotate through the divisions that are overly difficult, or if your division isn't very, very tough to get through, I'm looking at you, New England Patriots under most of Tom Brady, uh, then your schedule shapes up to make things easier for you to get a couple of home games in the playoffs. And once you do that, your road to the Super Bowl is a little easier. So if the Niners do get an easier schedule, even if in the bottom quarter of the schedule, I think that's overall a net positive for their playoff and Super Bowl chances, their, you know, kind of performance within the division notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would always like, you know, given the choice, like you you would always choose an easier schedule and it's just going to make, um, you know, like because we, we know that every team for the most part is going to have, uh, you know, a handful of games or so, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, but they're going to have some games that that come down to the wire that are pretty close and that, that you're going to have, um, you know, one or two bounces, one or two plays over the course of the, that game, you know, down at the end that, that really determine the outcome. And, and if you can get, you know, more of those games to kind of bounce your way because you, you have kind of that talent advantage and, um, you know, the, the players that you're putting out there are a little bit superior to, to what your opponent has. Like, yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, let's switch gears a bit and let's talk about the meat of the episode to, in today's episode. And that's going to be the scouting reports. Rather than try to jam everyone into one episode, we thought we would actually spend a bit more time on the players and talk about one, each one a bit more in depth and group them based on their position group. And at this point, you know, we've talked about the defensive backs already. We are now going to talk about the guards. So we're going to talk about Aaron Banks and, uh, and Jalen Moore. And we also wanted to hear a little bit from you. What questions did you have about these prospects? And so we opened it up to the Patreon. We asked them for some questions. And we got a, a couple of really, really good ones, especially as they pertain to Aaron Banks. By and large, uh, people just hated Jalen Moore. If their volume of questions was any evidence of their excitement for Jalen Moore, everyone's sleeping on him. No one thinks he's uh, worth a question at this point. We had a couple like grouping him in with Aaron Banks questions, you know, right. kind of like, uh, oh, like we don't want to leave you out. You know, it's like the in Pop Warner when the, the player has to play like four plays because that's what the rule says. Right. It's like that's that's kind of what, you know, Jalen Moore was to a lot of the questions, but we're going to get to the, uh, a bunch of your questions from uh, folks on the Patreon. So thank you. If you bought us a beer, we are actively drinking them. Uh, and this one tastes especially delicious because it's a vacation beer. Uh, close second or close. I think that one is the, the best beer 
compared to like the airport beer, like when you rock up to the airport yep. bar and like that first drink at the airport, I think that's a good beer. Um, first beach drink also like a really, really good one as well. Um, especially when you're at an all inclusive. I mean, can you even remember the first one in an all inclusive? Like, yeah, cause I can remember the first one cause I don't remember very many others after the first one. <laughs> I basically, I tipped the bartender. Usually when we're at all inclusives, we're in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so I tipped the bartender like 20 or 30 bucks. And I'm like, and I speak to them in Spanish and I'm like, Oye, tío, somos amigos. Ya listo. And then it's just like all manner of things, just like special bottles of tequila. And look, they're not even all that special. They probably do this for everyone, but it makes me feel good. And that's okay. That's really what matters. You know, <laughs> it's really what matters. I leave good. with a smile on my face. I leave with a smile on my face. Uh, all right. But Aaron Banks, this is where we're going to start. Guard from Notre Dame, second round pick, 48th overall. He's a local kid from El Cerrito High School, trained with Najee Harris in Antioch at Malu Fitness. So he's like extra local. Uh, started in mid-2018 is when he assumed the starting role. Had been the primarily, uh, he played primarily left guard ever since, played a little bit of left tackle as well, but really spent the majority of his time at left guard. He has 2,186 snaps across his three-year college career. That is not an insignificant number of snaps. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he, contrary to popular belief, he did not play with Mike McGlinchey because he started in 2018. Mike McGlinchey's final season at Notre Dame was in 2017. And in 2017, Aaron Banks was on the scout team. So they did not play together on the same offensive line at Notre Dame, although they probably shared a meeting room. He's 6'5", 325 pounds, Dude's big, really, really big. And normally when you see a guy this big, you think to yourself, gotta be a mauler power dude, gap scheme. Like this is where I'm going to fit him in. That's clearly what the Niners want. They're, they're moving more towards that gap scheme, that power, that counter. And then you watch his film and what does he do? Well, um, not that, not that really. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think, um, the, the thing that really stands out and I think it's something that, that kind of stretches across all areas of his game. Um, but, but I think from a technique standpoint to me is, is the number one thing with him that, that stands out that he does well. I think that's, I, I saw your note in here uh, about Scott McLuhan calling him a technique survivor. And I think that is just a wonderful description of, of Aaron Banks. Like it's so, yeah. so spot on because we're, we'll get to, you know, obviously areas of concern, but I, I think when you, you look at his positive plays at the college level and, and the way he's winning, it is, is very reliant on just being very good technically, right? I think his hands are very good. And this is, this is both in the run game and in, in pass protection. Um, and, and yeah, I think largely he does like mentally, he seems to be very good there. Like he, you, you rarely see him, um, you know, missing assignments or just kind of being completely in the wrong place or taking, wrong steps or setting to the wrong guy in pass protection or, or, or things like that. Right. So I think he's, uh, from the mental side, he seems to be, be very good. And then he pairs that with this, this good technical element. And I think that is kind of how he survives, right. And, and, and makes positive plays, uh, you know, on, on the offense plan. Yeah, we, we saw him execute those reach blocks that we know are a very big part of the Shanahan offense, especially when you talk about zone blocking. He's able to engage, grab onto the guy, and flip his hips around once he makes contact. Um, so it, it's, it's, he's displaying the things on tape that Shanahan's going to ask him to do, and he's doing them in a technically sound way. Um, he's, he's sticky. 
right? Once he gets onto you, he's not generally leaving, especially in the run game. So overall, he's got really, so, he, he's a sound blocker in a zone scheme. And when you get to his pass protection, he does use his hand well, use his hands well, both of them actually, not just one. Uh, and, and when you look at his true pass sets, we've talked about true pass sets before, but in case you're new to the idea, it's basically distilling what a player does in the passing game and eliminating things like play action passes, boot passes, uh, play rush uh, uh, plays where there are fewer than four rushers and really gets to what the, the true distillate of pass protection is. And on true pass sets, Aaron Banks is pretty good. His overall grade puts him right in the area of other players that the Niners really wanted to get. You're talking about the Creed Humphreys of the world. You're talking about Landon Dickerson. He only allowed 19 total pressures on 443 true pass sets over his extensive career at Notre Dame. Uh, so overall, his technique is a sound foundation from which he can play football. And it's probably why the Niners liked uh, his tape overall. Like the guy's just technically sound, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's where he's supposed to be. And we know the Niners like that about players. I mean, who the hell doesn't? Yeah. yeah. And so when, when you kind of switch gears and look at, okay, what, what are some concerning elements of his game and what could potentially hold him back as he, as he transitions the NFL? And I think uh, it, it honestly is a major one. And um, I, I think his athleticism or lack thereof is a major concern. So even when you look at at things that he did well in college, right? He was a, a productive zone blocker. He was a productive pass protector at college. The way that he won leaves you kind of a little concerned as to how well that's going to translate because it is just glaringly obvious what a poor athlete he is. Like, it is is honestly like it was a little shocking like early on in the first few snaps that you pull up on him like he just doesn't move well it's it's bad like his feet aren't quick and again like from a technical standpoint it's fine like meaning he's gonna he's gonna take the right steps you don't see him taking a lot of false steps necessarily like he's good in his base most of the time but they don't they're they're not fast right he's not covering a lot of ground you see this on on some of the zone blocks when he has to get up to the second level and, and get to a linebacker. A lot of the times he's he's just kind of out of his depth there. Um, you see it on on kind of screen plays and stuff like that. Areas where he has to get out in space, um, it's just not there. And then I think uh, in pass protection, you really see it come up as a big problem against stunts. Like uh, the Alabama game was was probably the most glaring example of of him just not having the athleticism to be able to handle what you know is is really the closest thing that he's getting at the college level to an NFL caliber defense, right? Like the guys on that Alabama defense are are great athletes most of the time, right? There you have a lot of guys that are going to be transitioning and playing at the NFL level. Um and so it's a really good barometer for, you know, what things could look like and it and it was pretty ugly. And and this was the, you know the case the especially against the stunts like this was the case in other games as well. And so you just see him because a lot of times what from a guard's perspective, right, what he needs to do successfully on a lot of stunts is he's going to be. So if you imagine him at left guard, right, and he's just kind of in his set, he's moving to his left initially, setting to the three technique that he's going to think that he's blocking, right? A lot of times he needs to end up passing that guy off and then opening up and moving the other direction to get to the guy that's looping around on the stunt, right? And so it really requires that lateral agility to be able to open up and get out there and cover some ground and cut that guy off. And, and it's just, it, there's a lot of ugly snaps when he's asked to do that. 
And you think to yourself, okay, maybe, you know, he's an offensive lineman. His testing doesn't need to be great because his 10 yard split when you're running the 40 is in the 11th percentile. Not awesome. His bench press is in the 40th percentile. Not great. But there are other players on, along the offensive line that don't test well, and they're still fine. Lakin Tomlinson, he was, you know, sub 50th percentile when it came to bench press. Uh, and he also wasn't super great when it came to some of his other athletic testing. But Lakin Tomlinson is just fine uh, at the guard position. I do think this is one of those instances where the, the tape is is really the, the giveaway here, where like the, the, the measurables will give you kind of some point indicators of how a player is going to move in some situations. And with Lakin Tomlinson, he's got some like not great numbers along the bevy of tests. But when the package is all together, he's fine. It's fine enough to play on the offensive line. With Banks, though, you do see some of that slowness come up and you see some of that stiffness in the hip, I think, that comes up a lot as well. Is like he looks like he I was texting my, my brother in law and I told him he's got a little bit of that JR Sweezy in him. You know how Sweezy can't bend over anymore? Um, and, and that's not to say that he's going to be that caliber of guard. I, I don't think that's the case, but he just seems a little stiff and he seems a little waddly when he's trying to get out there on the move. Yeah, I, I think he's just, I mean, he's just sluggish. He just doesn't move well. Like he doesn't move quickly. Um, and, I, and so I think the, so the, when you, when you get down to like why that ultimately matters, right. And why I think in a lot of ways, as the transition to the NFL happens for him, that, that this could be like a bigger deficiency than the technique is a positive in, in his, in his, uh, camp. Right. So I, I, I think like as a pass protector, especially, but I think as a player in general, like usually you want kind of a you want one area there that you can kind of hang your hat on right like either you're gonna be a bigger more powerful guy and you can kind of get by moving guys and you know that in pass protection you're not gonna get bull rush because you're just really strong you got a great anchor and and you know you're gonna make guys basically have to beat you one way they're gonna have to win with speed right or you can be the opposite you can be a guy that's a little bit more athletic you're going to do great on the move you know a lot of the movement blocks in the outside zone stuff and the screen game you're going to be able to handle speed rushers and, and and whatnot and pass protection but you know if a guy gets into your chest you might give up a little bit there and and that's okay you, you kind of deal with with those reps right like he's a big guy that should be that powerful guy but he's not like you don't see him moving guys off the line of scrimmage uh in the run game you don't see him handle bull rushes really all that well in, in pass protection. I know there was a, a quote there that you had in, in kind of regards to the why the 49ers wanted to to add him here that I'll let you get to in a minute. But like you don't see him kind of be firm in that pocket, right? You don't see him uh, be able to anchor against the bull rush. He, a lot of times he'll get pushed back. Like most of his losses in pass protection were one of two things. It was either the the stunt situation that, that we already talked about, right? Or it was guys kind of out muscling him, winning with strength, whether that was directly on a bull rush where you're getting into his chest and you're driving him backwards, or whether it was just kind of like out muscling him to get a, an edge, right, to get to the outside. So it wasn't really losing with speed or anything like that. But um, he doesn't also have, so you, so you worry about the power element, right, and, and kind of uh, being proficient in that area. But then he doesn't have like the foot speed to like, it's terrifying thinking about him going up against guys like Aaron Donald and, and kind of the quality interior defensive lineman that they're going to face in the NFC West. Um, it's, it's just not, so you don't see that one thing athletically that he can kind of hang his hat on and, and really rely on. And I think that is what, because technique is only going to get you so far once you get to the NFL and everybody on the defensive line is an incredible athlete, right? And, and if you're just so far outmatched there, it, it is a little concerning, I think. 
Well, the quote that you're talking about is one from Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy Fowler, uh, he said that he had some intel behind the pick. I think this was an ESPN. Uh, and he said that, quote, the selection of second round guard Aaron Banks was a push for size and force up front. San Francisco seems to covet power players such as Banks to help create a firmer passing pocket, figuring undersized guards are always easy to find if they need more, end quote. There, there are two things about this that I think are really interesting. One, it's power players such as Banks. This kind of feeds into the idea that you're talking about, David, that everyone looks at his size and his weight and just assumes he's a super powerful guy. And I don't know that I would put him in the super powerful department. I would put him in the technically sound department. Um, but the idea that finding undersized guards are kind of easy to find if they need more to kind of find that smaller, more athletic guy, I do think that's true. I do think that you're not really like that, that profile of more athletic, quick offensive lineman is not something that is that you need to like super reach at the, the top of the draft in order to get, and you can kind of find those players. So I do think that if they're going to, they're going to take a, a swing on someone like this and hope he can develop power, um, then, you know, that's, that's not a bad way to go. And, and I think that while I, I do like the idea of someone being a technician at their craft in college, because while I do think that, you know, athleticism is something you can't, um, you can't grant someone athleticism unless, you know, I don't know, Barry Bonds might tell you differently, but you, you can't grant someone athleticism because that's kind of, that's, it's something that is genetic to a certain degree. I think you can improve your strength. You can improve your speed. You can get a little better in those regards. And I think if you got just maybe five, 10% better in those areas with, you know, an NFL strength program and, and that kind of conditioning, you've already got someone who is technical enough that they're not going to miss assignments and they're going to maximize every ounce of athletic ability they'd have. I think perhaps you might say that that's maybe he's maxed out and that's what you're going to get. I might say, Hey, you know what? Then he's going to get any juice available out of anything that he's going to improve, uh, from a strength conditioning wise. You know, I, I mean, I don't know that not going to lie. His athleticism isn't like, I'm worried about his, his athleticism too. His like, it's, it's not something that I'm going to sit here and, and paint over with a pretty picture and just say, you know, these are my Niner colored glasses and, and, and he's going to be okay. But if if at least he's got something to rely on, which is not something that other uh, offensive line darlings had. Like, I mean, people were talking about Colton McKivitz and Justin School. It's like those guys, I don't know that like had much technique to speak of and, and maybe they were so-so athletes. Um, and this is a bit of the inverse. So it'll be interesting to see how his career kind of plays out. Yeah, I, I mean, I think all the all that I'll kind of say uh, to that point is is like, while you know the the strength and conditioning program once he gets to the NFL level may certainly be better, and obviously it becomes more uh, far more than even in college of of a his full time job, right? He is, his job is now his body and and being in condition to play on Sunday, and uh, but it's not like he's coming from some like you know, mid-major school. He's not Jalen Moore coming from Western Michigan. He's coming from fucking Notre Dame who has been producing top quality offensive linemen very recently that have come in. And so I think he's getting very likely, right? Like not maybe, I don't know if it's the best in college football, but he's getting among the best of of that, of what college football can offer in that environment. So I do, I, I do worry about him being kind of capped out and, and being a guy, because like you mentioned, we have so many snaps of him. Right. He played so much at the college. There's not a lot of unknown with with his game at this point. Like it, you you just have it there on tape to go and see. And and I think that, yeah, athletically, it is a con- concern because now suddenly, like because he's going against a lot of college. Play, and like, let's be real, like Notre Dame doesn't always play the, the most difficult schedule, like especially playing in the ACC last year, like 
uh, other than Clemson, like they don't fucking play anyone. Like the ACC is terrible, and and so a lot of his um, opponents that he's going up against at the college level, he can win with that technique because they're honestly like not really that much more athletic than he is, probably right, or it's not a, a significant enough advantage to overcome what he does well technically. At the NFL, I don't think that's going to be the case, right? He can still be good technically, but if if physically he's going to get his ass whooped, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but have you seen Rudy? Like with that kind of strength <laughs> conditioning program, like that. And look, that it's in a movie. It must be real. The dude's sleeping in it's a an documentary, closet. right? It is a documentary. Okay, yeah. it is a documentary of what happens at Notre Dame. They haven't updated their training regimen since. Okay, I'm just saying. Once he gets to the NFL, things may be a little bit different. Um, I I do I do like the fact that he is technical and and you talk about him losing reps in uh in college he didn't at least in pass protection anyway which is you know a bit more important by our criteria not necessarily maybe by Shanahan's but um he definitely didn't lose often so at least his technique is you know we always talk about how you want to dominate the players that you're better than um however you're going to dominate them um, and, and he was good in terms of not letting or not allowing a lot of pressures when we're talking about true pass sets or even overall, right? In 2020, he allowed three hits, seven hurries, uh, 2019, you know, it was two sacks, uh, and a couple of other pressures as well. I think seven overall, uh, if you add the sacks, you're at nine. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see Aaron, uh, Banks in the red and gold. But I think let's get to the Patreon questions because that might help clarify some other things as well. Um, we've got a question from Derek. I never know whether it's Govier or Govier. I'm going to go with Govier because why not? We're feeling saucy. Um, so Derek asks, we know he's got some good blo- zone blocking numbers, but what about gap runs? Well, Derek, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because this is one of those instances where, you know, we talked about it at the top of, of his breakdown. Is he a good, you know, gap kind of power guy? Um, and the short answer is not really. He's only got 22 power or counter plays on his college tape. We watched all of them. Uh, and, and by I think and large, this was over. This wasn't the whole thing. I think this was either oh, this, just in 2020 or maybe at most over the last two seasons. So it wasn't all, but it was a, okay. a subset. JK. Uh, it's still like a quarter's worth of football over the course of a year or two. Yeah. Uh, and, and he is, you know, he, he was playing uh, really a, a position where he's able to kind of be the, the puller and hit an end man on the line of scrimmage on counters and kind of kick them out. But he's not really doing the more complicated, you know, wrapping function on some of these plays where you're hitting a second level guy. So he's got kind of like first guy on the line of scrimmage and he was able to do that decently well, but not so much so that he's going to blow guys up. There's some tackles that we've watched in the past where we're like, okay, that guy's hitting, that guy's moving. Um, And Banks is like getting his assignment done, but he's not exactly like blowing hats off guys. Yeah, I, I, and I think like this area actually kind of points to one of the things that, that you had mentioned before we like got officially into the question, right? Which is like dominating the competition that he went up against. And and this is kind of the concern. Like, I don't I don't ever really feel like he was dominant at any point. Like it was kind of goes back to that technique survivor, right? He he did enough to get the job done. He survived. He didn't he wasn't uh, he didn't have a, a ton of negative plays because of the technique, right? But he wasn't really dominating the guys. And I think this kind of speaks to it because when you go to the power gap scheme plays, right, and, and you look at, okay, what does a guard do on those plays? There's really two things, typically. So either he's going to be a play side player, 
and in which case his job is is really comes down to movement, right? He is looking to because the the run is likely going to hit outside of him, so he's looking to to create movement, knock his guy down and inside, and, and just move him off the ball, right? He's trying to get as much movement as possible to widen the gap that the the back has to go through, or you're going to be a puller, right? And and so depending on whether it's power or counter, um, you, you can have kind of one or two assignments um, with that. Either you're going to be the kickout guy, which is what you're alluding to, which is going to be the the really the first puller. So you're going to be basically because everybody on the play side is blocking down, there's a free guy now that's there, that that end man on the line of scrimmage, the defensive end or, or edge rusher that's there is kind of left unblocked. And that first puller is looking to kick him out. So you have a great angle. Like it really is, uh, you know, one of the easier blocks that you should be able to execute because from from an angle standpoint, a leverage standpoint, you have the advantage from the get-go, right? And, and so um, it's it just kind of coming down the line of scrimmage, kicking that guy out, and, and again, looking to create some movement. Or you can be the second puller, which is going to be kind of the wrapper, which is the guy that gets up through the hole and kind of leads the way for the back a little bit more and, and gets up to a second-level player and, and has to kind of make a block on the move, right? You have to be able to kind of ID, you know, the, the linebacker that you're targeting, you have to be able to find him in the hole. And, and it does require a little bit more in terms of movement skills. He was never asked to do that. So when we first started like that, that little subset of plays, uh, subset of plays, I, I kind of made the comment, like, I, I bet that they run behind him a lot because he doesn't, we'd already watched his own plays. We knew that he wasn't, you know, going to, going to move very well. I didn't expect them to use him as a puller very much. And so I, I expected them to basically run behind him so that he could use, you know, hopefully some power that we were expecting to see. And that was just not the case. Like they really rarely ran those plays directly behind him. They almost always did it with counter and asked him to be the kickout guy, which is again, like really kind of the easiest block there um, and didn't ask him to do any of the, the more difficult movement plays, which I think speaks to them understanding what his limitations were. A good way to remember it, or at least the way that I remember it for these plays, for these power plays, is you've got a trapper and a rapper. Because um, it, you know, rhyming helps. It's a mnemonic. Um, is, is it a mnemonic? I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't remember, which is, I feel like in and of itself, a joke. Okay. Anyway, uh, the, the trapper or the kickout guy, he's the guy who hits the first guy in the hole. It's a kickout block. It's the first guy. Sometimes it's a fullback on these plays. It's going to be a guard. And then you've got the rapper. He wraps around and lead blocks for the runner and usually gets to the second level or gets the first unblocked defender that appears. Um, so if the question is, what about his gap runs? The, the answer is not only were there not very many, but he wasn't exceptional on them. And the way they used him on those gap runs may actually speak to the Notre Dame coaching staff understanding that he's not going to be a down block mauler type of power guy, uh, which would lead you to believe kind of what you see on tape is, is real. He's not exactly the most powerful guy uh, on, on tape. And so we get to the next question from Gregory Weisberg. What does a successful rookie year look like for Banks? And I thought this was an interesting question because I think some, you know, Tom Compton was re-signed. You've got Colton McKivitz, who's in year two of the system. Uh, and, and at this point, you've also got Dan Brunskill, who is now relegated to a potential backup role. And he played, he was originally going to play guard last year and then kind of moved to center once everyone on the center, you know, got injured. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people are thinking that Banks is a, a presumptive backup that could be a starter. At this point in the second round, I think a successful rookie year looks like him winning the starting job outright. And if he doesn't or can't, 
I'm already going to be worried about about his rookie season. Um, and, and so I think that it has to start with him winning that starting role. Yeah, I, I think part of the the kind of at least for me the you know the more surprisingly right, negative slant um, in in watching his uh, <laughs> lean into it, David. His his tape right is is has to do with where he was selected, right? I think it's a little bit of a different conversation, and we'll kind of I think touch on some of these points when we get to more here in in a minute. But yeah, the the idea that he's a second round pick, like to me, as an offensive lineman, especially an interior offensive lineman, like you're drafting that guy expecting him to start, like. That's that's basically if like there aren't a ton of interior linemen like only like the elite elite prospects and and guard and center right go uh, in the first round like usually you kind of start considering those guys uh, maybe late first round but then once you get to day two um, and so yeah taking them you know where they they took him uh, I, I think you do have to expect that he's going to start and I think a successful rookie year is yeah bringing some stability to that position. Um, and, and I think hopefully finding, you know, that one thing that, that he can reliably do well, right. Whether it is, um, you know, finding a little bit more power now that he gets an NFL strength and conditioning program and he can kind of at least rely on that element there and he can firm up, uh, you know, his ability in pass protection to anchor and he can maybe start getting a little bit more movement when they do go to the gap stuff or go to the more inside zone, um, you know, type of plays that are more downhill, um, and, and at least have that one thing that, you know, he can do well, even if he's going to maybe be a little bit of liability in some of the more difficult movement stuff. Right. So I think that's kind of, for me, what I would be looking at him kind of move, starting to move that direction. Right. And, and finding that one thing he can hang his hat on. The other thing of note is I, I do think that Lake and Tomlinson is only under contract for one more season. So that would be something to consider as well. If the Niners don't give another big money deal to Lincoln Tomlinson, then that allows him to stay at right guard or potentially move over to his college position of left guard. And then the Niners need to plug another guard spot if they don't resign Tomlinson. We get to another question uh, from Sebastian. Another name I'm going to mess up. Uh, Good luck. Oh, man. I thought about it in my head, too. I practiced it. And we've been talking about offensive linemen, and now I'm all screwed up. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just not even going to try it. Sebastian, you know who you Sebastian are. Sebastian G, what up? Uh, I don't, I don't want to butcher your name. Uh, so does Banks have experience at center and is he an option there in the future? Uh, the one answer is no. And the other answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, zero, zero snaps. Um, he was uh, pretty much exclusively a left guard and then had some emergency tackle snaps, um, you know, mostly on the left side a little bit uh, on, on the right side in 2018, but um, zero snaps at center over uh, his final three college seasons. So yeah, and I, and I think, think he projects be, well there. Yeah, I think it's it's very unlikely they consider trying to to put him there. Last question comes from Mr. A. I swear this is not me planting this question here. Uh, but it was Banks' positive run grade only reflective of not going against good pass rushers, or is there evidence to suggest he will maintain that positive run or, or pass blocking grade in the NFL? Uh, David, why don't you go ahead and hit him with the old <laughs> negative Nancy over here? I mean, yeah, I mean, it should be uh, at this stage of uh, of the breakdown, um, not surprised. Yeah, I am concerned about it translating. Um, I, I think, again, why he kind of won uh, at the college level, I think, makes sense. And I, I think like that is is can lead to some very good production um, against college competition. Right. Um, I, I just don't know yet how well it translates once you're talking about NFL you know, three techniques that are coming at him 
Um, and, and once you're going against just the best athletes that position has to offer on, on nearly a weekly basis. Right. Yeah. And I do think that I, I'm giving more value to the technical ability that he brings to the table. And, and, and I think that if he can still be a technician in the pros, he's at least got something that he can rely on that he can win with, even if it's not his athleticism. And if he can squeeze just, you know, another three, four or 5% out of his athleticism or out of his body with an NFL strength and conditioning program, I think that his technique will help him. Um, technique is one of those things where, you know, I think Richard Sherman is not most physically gifted, you know, but his technique helped him a lot. And while now he's fallen off a cliff, he was able to ride that out for quite a while. Certainly not saying that Banks is going to be like a Hall of Fame corner or anything, but I, I do think that the, the technique that he is able to, to display at least is like, okay, the dude can do something. Now, let's see how that plays out in the NFL, uh, because I think, as David said, it is important to note he was a second rounder. So if he doesn't start, then, you know, you're going to start to ring some alarm bells. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to the second guard in the breakdown because they took two, David. They wanted to make sure you looked at this run game. And so they took Jalen Moore. Uh, he's a tackle, played tackle at Western Michigan, but is allegedly going to get moved to guard. Uh, he was selected in the fifth round. 155th overall. I believe Lynch said they were going to maybe try him at tackle and then move him inside to guard. He was recruited to Western Michigan as a tight end. So he's on that Joe Staley plan. <laughs> he is 6'4", 311 pounds. Uh, and he did indeed play tackle exclusively at Western Michigan. So we watched these guys back to back. We watched Banks. We watched his, his technique. We watched him put together some really, really good snaps in terms of just being where he needed to be, latching on, grabbing dudes. But, you know, being concerned with his athleticism. We put on Jalen Moore immediately, and my first note, the first bullet in that list is, whoa, this guy can move. He is like the polar opposite of Aaron Banks' physical ability. I, I think it would be difficult to find um, a pair of offensive linemen that were that were more just almost exact opposites um, than than these two players. At which, guard too, at guard, which is really I mean uh, interesting when you think about um, the 49ers' thought process in selecting both of these players um, is is maybe a little strange, but yeah, Jalen Moore I, is their Kirk Cousins basically. Jalen Moore <laughs> is like, look, we're gonna take the guy that maybe was rated higher, but like, you know what? We're gonna maybe take this other guy who's more in the mold of the players we've taken previously, which is athletic people that you can mold. I'm just saying, if you could combine Banks and Moore into one guard, you probably have an All Pro. Um, like, yeah, that that's that's kind of where. So yeah, I think it's it's when you look at what Moore does well. It is the complete opposite in the spectrum. It is the athleticism with him that that stands out. And I think uh, you see it, especially in the run game. Like he was just a monster on kind of the backside of his own plays where he's getting those cutoffs and and getting around, you know, which is basically cutoff just is a reach block from the backside, right? It's the same, same premise. You're trying to, you really have a lot of ground to cover and you have to get kind of on the opposite side 
of that defensive lineman than the one you started on. And, and so it's a difficult block to make. Um, and he just had the the explosion off the line of scrimmage and, and the, the movement skills to be able to do that um, really with ease uh, on a large number of plays. And so, yeah, that, that was really stood out. And then you see it um, in his pass set as well. Like just the, those first few steps off the line of scrimmage and, and him getting back into his set um, are just quick. Like he's, he's quick off the ball and, and just, he covers some ground and yeah. You, so you just see him, you know, everything that we talked about with, with, uh, with banks and like out on the move and out in space, it's just the exact opposite. Like more looks a lot more natural in those, uh, situations. And then the other thing too, is, is I think like you do actually see a lot more power from him. Like, um, you know, he's not quite as big of a guy as, as Banks is, but uh, he's certainly not small. And, and you did see him uh, have some more snaps where he was a bit more dominant, right? And especially in the run game, I think, um, where you see him just, yeah, move guys off the line of scrimmage and like guy, pushing guys several yards, um, you know, off the ball. And so I think, yeah, you just see, and, and he's got these like giant ass hands. He's got like 11 inch hands or something like that. And so, it was just kind of a situation where usually um, if he gets those fucking mitts on you, it was just kind of over most of the time. Like he was driving off the ball and, and he was latching on and, um, you know, it was generally positive things happening uh, for, for his game there. So I think, yeah, like everything athletically um, is is really, I think, very good with him. Yeah, but I think for me that's about where it ends. <laughs> it, it, it is about where it ends. Look, because this guy was a fifth round pick for a reason. Yep. And and this to me, this is exactly the kind of player you want to take in the fifth round. He is he's got all of the tools to do well. The only problem is he didn't in college. He's like, again, the exact inverse of Aaron Banks. Like Aaron Banks didn't necessarily have all the physical tools, but man, he maximized the hell out of him. When when you look at his his base, really, really narrow. What was really interesting is when we were watching his his tape and both in his in his set. And when he was getting into like his kick step and all that stuff, his base is really narrow. And that narrow base, you can see it compared to his other line mates. And it was like a good foot narrower, even though he's, I mean, he's a big dude. Yeah. And I so mean, usually thinking, you see like, so like a lot of the offensive linemen, right. Or you're going to see that stance. Like we're talking like before the ball is snapped, just down in your stance, um, you know, ready to go. Like, most of those guys are, are going to be maybe a little bit more than shoulder width apart. You know, they, they want to start fairly wide, you know, but you want a nice solid base there. He was like nar- much narrower than, than yeah. shoulder width. Like it was kind of, it was weird. Like I don't usually, to be honest, like look, I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at stuff like that. Like it's just not my, my thing. It's not something I'm concerned about. I'm not a former offensive lineman. Like I'm not going to get into, to really nuance like technique, things like that. Um, but it, it it looks funny, like just it, it's a different he, he picture had, than you're used to seeing. He had some strong stand up desk vibes, <laughs> like 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 he was getting ready to type out a mean fucking email, not necessarily ready to take on uh, a bull rush. And and the pro- the problem was that because of his narrow base, his feet got crossed over a lot, and his feet got crossed over, and and it just resulted in some really like not great reps. And and we're talking about again, he's at Western Michigan. His reps are not against super, super high-level talent, and he's getting crossed over against defenders in the MAC. And so I think that you know that that's where his base becomes a, a bit of an issue. And then you get to okay, maybe you know he's an athletic guy, 
and, and maybe you think, okay, what does he do in the gap kind of game? Maybe he's good as a puller. Maybe he's good out in space. Didn't have a lot of snaps in that regard that we saw only four snaps on powers and counters, and two of them were complete disasters. One of them was a fumbled handoff, which was just bad. Uh, and the other, he completely whiffs on a block as a pulling lineman. He, he tries to turn. He misses the guy and tries to turn and takes this really wide turn. Uh, the, note, the note I have is he's not a zero-turn lawnmower. And I must have been feeling I must have been feeling that dad vibe while we were watching the film because I'm thinking about zero turn lawnmowers when I'm watching him. And it was granted one snap, right? One whole snap. But he is, you know, he's the guy who has the athletic traits, but not necessarily the production. And as a fifth round draft pick, hell yeah, I'm into it. See what you can do because if you can get, uh, if you can hit on this guy, you've got yourself a really talented lineman. If you can kind of fix some of that technique stuff. Right. So, yeah, I, I think when you look at the overall situation, right, where they were selected, um, you know, the things that they could possibly improve on, I feel a lot more excited about about Jalen Moore than I do Banks. Like, just because I do think, um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be easier for him to improve technique where Banks just like, again, I, I just you're not going to find much athleticism. Like either you're kind of athletic or you're not right. And like, yes, maybe you can do some things in there um, to, to improve on the margins and, and kind of help maximize what you have. But at some point you just only have so much and, and there's only, so I think that really sets a, a ceiling on Banks's game um, that, that is a lot lower than I would like to be honest. And, and, and so I think with more, um, you can see like, yeah, his, th there, there are snaps on his tape that are just an absolute disaster. Like, um, ju just where he looks terrible, like his feet are awful. Like he stops his feet a lot. So a lot of times, you know, one of the things that banks can do oh, yeah. very well yeah, yeah. is like you see on, on, um, you know, a lot of the zone blocks, like banks doesn't, he doesn't have the speed to get out around on those reach blocks, you know, quickly. He's not winning at the snap and, and just kind of beating the guy to the spot like he's getting his hands on and then he just kind of keeps working right he just kind of keeps moving those feet and slowly over the course of the play he gets enough uh leverage there to kind of at least cover that guy up right and make sure that he can't get free and, and make a tackle um with, with more it's just like some plays he is it, it just will make contact and then his feet will just stop completely and, and so he ends up and it kind of um, crumbles. Yeah, he ends up like way off balance. So he, he just he, he does end up on the ground a lot because he just isn't playing with, you know, between the, the narrow base and, and just like the inconsistent footwork and stopping your feet and getting out over your toes because of that. Like you, you just, you know, it's it's difficult to stay balanced because your body's just not in, in a, an ideal position to be able to do that. And, and so, yeah, I think uh, everything technically with him right now is just a, a massive mess. work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, a mess. It, it, he's got a lot to do. His uh, his true pass set grade was below average. So when we're talking about Banks having a, a pretty solid above average, like top of the class true pass set grade, um, you look at Jalen Moore and he's he's below average. He's not good, and and he's not you know and he's going up against worse competition. When you look at one of his uh, worst games is against NIU. Um, like it's that this is not this is not good, but. It's 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 the fifth round. This is what you do in the fifth round, and and I, I don't know if he's going to be another one of the fifth round darlings for the 49ers. but if I'm looking at the three players the Niners drafted in the fifth round, um, he's one of the guys I'm thinking might get the George Kittle award um, in a couple of years for being like one of these fifth round picks where you're like, oh shit, 
okay. Uh, if he can put some of that technique together. Um, no surprises to who the other one, I think, may be in that realm. <laughs> That's just because <laughs> I like really fast running backs in the fifth round. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think overall, when we get to the questions that some of the, the folks on the Patreon had about Jalen Moore, um, really, there weren't any. You hate him. So I'm going to ask one. It, what about Sean Coleman? Sean Coleman is, it seems to be the forgotten man at this point. He opted out of last season. He was really the, the swing tackle that the Niners thought they had finally hit on until he broke his leg, was out for a year, was supposed to come back in 2020, and then opted out due to COVID. Is someone like Jalen Moore a threat to Sean Coleman, or is Jalen Moore someone we're going to have to worry about passing through waivers when we get to that part of the offseason? Yeah, I, in terms of just like, I assume you're you're talking about like bottom of the depth chart roster spot as opposed to like actual role. Um, right. I, I don't right, think right, right, right they're going to overlap there. I think like you mentioned, Sean Coleman is going to, um, if he if he is on the team, likely be more of a swing tackle type guy that's not going to really play inside. And I think yeah, it does make sense that that Moore is going to kick down inside a little bit. So uh, I think um, for year one, no, I. I really think it would be great if Moore could could spend you know that first year like on the practice squad and um and and just have some time to really kind of work on on just focusing on his game and not having to work or or, or really worry too much about like you know the the in season grind that comes with preparing for an opponent more right I think that like he can have some time to really focus in on technique and and improving his individual game. I think that would be very positive, right? So I think, yeah, I, I don't know that that as he currently stands that I, you, you wouldn't feel great about inserting Jalen Moore into a game right now is all I'm saying. So like, um, I, I would think it would be ideal if he's not in a position where they need to worry about him being inserted in the lineup. I, I appreciate you saving me in that moment because I had, when I was thinking about questions for him, because I had to come up with one, I, I was like, okay, tackle. Let me think about other tackles on the roster. The, and Sean Coleman came to mind. I always forget the Niners are thinking about moving this guy to guard. Yeah. Like, cause he played, cause I, I mean, everything we saw of him was tackle. So when I think about him in my mind, I'm like tackle. Um, but yeah, Sean Coleman is probably still going to be the swing tackle. Hopefully um, maybe, uh, but Jalen Moore, we'll see if he passes waivers. I think that that's likely the, the likely outcome for him. Cause I, I think if you're thinking about guards, what are the, I mean, Tom Compton and Colton McKivitz at this point are going to be the other guards. And I think the year of experience for them is likely going to give them a, a, a fair leg up on Jalen Moore. But I mean, even Colton McKivitz, though, he was another fifth rounder too. So, I mean, at this point, if you're swapping fifth round picks and you're sticking with potential, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think overall, you've got two offensive linemen that are that are really polar opposites and really interesting experiments for their careers in the NFL so far. You've got Aaron Banks, who I think overall is a good scheme fit that relies on technique as opposed to power to win reps. His limited athleticism means he's going to kind of have some trouble playing out in space. And he may be maxed out. Maybe what you see is what you get. But he still brings technique to the position um, and a prototypical build that maybe entice the Niners into, uh, into someone that they think could stabilize the right side of that line for a while or replace Lincoln Tomlinson. And with more, uh, Jalen Moore, you get almost a polar opposite. You get a, a project with very, very rough technique, but who has fantastic athleticism and inconsistent feet and almost no experience with a gap or power scheme. Um, so I think in terms of like their scattering reports and questions, that about does it. I'm ready to go hit uh, vacation beer number two. 
Um, actually, that, that's not true. Um, my flight is at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So that means I'm Doesn't waking seem up. like it would be a wise decision. I may be waiting for that airport beer. You know? Maybe. Although that airport beer is going to happen at 5 in the morning. Uh, because, yeah, that's true. I have been in an airport, uh, an airport lounge often. Very early. Because I'm usually like a first flight out kind of guy. Just glasses of wine at 5 in the morning. Like red wine. Like a robust red at 5 in the morning. Just I don't, I don't understand. I don't. I I, look. That might be the end of someone's day. Who knows? You know, people work different hours. Who knows? But yeah, definitely interesting. I had to buy a um, a checked bag because I I we don't look in the Aparicio family. We do not check bags unless we're going to snowy weather. If it's anything shorter than two weeks, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's how we've lived our lives, man. We've, we've traveled all over Europe. We, you know, we've done all sorts of stuff and, and it's just always been carry-ons. And now we're going four days, four fucking days and you have a baby. And now I'm like, I have, have this bag, million fucking things that you need to take. Dude, it is ridiculous. And their clothes are so little. You don't think it takes up that much space and then it does. Um, so, so yeah, we've got a checked bag and we've got the, the car seat and the, like it converts into a stroller. It's, it's a whole thing. So we'll see how tomorrow goes. We'll, we'll the plane I, I, ride. I'm quite interested. To, I'm glad that you're going to be the guinea pig, and I can. I will. You know, we can uh, learn from from this experience. We're going to do it again, though, for my birthday. We're going to do it right before the season starts. We're going to uh, Kentucky, and uh, so actually, that's a good that's a good point. If anyone has tips for the Bourbon Trail, Bourbon Trail, send send them our way. I've got I've got an idea of kind of what we want to do and something sketched out. But if anyone has any recommendations, tips. Please send them our way. You can send them to me at Twitter uh, or on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they send you those tips? Probably to Oscar on Twitter at Better Rivals, but you can also come <laughs> and find our content on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Um, you know, again, have had videos up on draft stuff. We're going to be getting, you know, uh, again, weird stuff this week in, in terms of navigating some scheduling things with both of us taking a little time. Uh, away but we will continue to have videos um you know up on on all of these draft prospects or, or excuse me not all of them but the important ones we that we feel like um <laughs> david's gonna give away. you a scouting report video on jalen moore's feet yeah and that's I, it eventually we're, we're gonna title we're it the, gonna the rex probably... ryan cut it's the rex ryan cut oh god yeah we're gonna we're gonna find our way back to uh trey lance and you know maybe do once we get to the the real dead of the off season here coming up in june and um, I want to do Amb- Ambry Thomas first. Let's do Ambry Thomas yeah, first. We've got some other then, guys for sure, but we're going to we're going to work we'll our way there. We're, we've got lots of time and lots of content to get to, uh, is what we're saying. So buy us a beer. Uh, make sure to catch the scattering report videos we've already done, uh, and do all the Twitters and Patreons. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, go Niners. <laughs> <laughs>